0: All right. Uh, I have a quote today that I want to share with you. I thought it was pretty fun and pertinent to what we talked about last week and this week. And it says, Tim, I'll fix the slides. I'll be with you in a moment. It's my fault. I got the slides late to Ryan this morning. I'll uh, fill it with air. Uh, You can pray for us. Uh, My wife and my kids aren't here today. They are, um, they're sick, I don't know, they picked something up at the gym or somewhere in between Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving, graduation parties, and they have been sick all week. And uh, thankfully, I have not caught it. Either I didn't catch it, or I'm the reason they're sick. So um, either way, I'm in a good place right now, and I hope to stay that way, but uh, Ashley's sick, Taryn is sick, Avery's sick, Evie is sick, it's it's like a a mess. So if you're planning on coming to my house today to visit, don't. I'm going to continue, and Ryan, he's awesome. He'll pick up when we get to that point. There's a quote I wanted to share. I was reading through Mere Christianity as I was kind of preparing for this, and I love C.S. Lewis. I love how he challenges me as a thinker, not just as like a, a, a kind of like a spiritual help yourself kind of book, but it, it causes you to think. It really pushes you. And this is one of the quotes that he shared. It's actually a quote from uh, Samuel Johnson, who is an English writer, poet, uh, moralist. And this is what he said. People need to be reminded more often than they need to be instructed. And that's kind of where we're at right now as pastors traveling back from Kenya. The team made it back safely. They're hopefully through customs. I thought I saw maybe Dave popping in. Uh, they're through customs, they're on their way home, so maybe they'll get in before service is over. Ah, people need to be reminded more than they need to be instructed. So as as pastor was in Kenya, we had an opportunity to take a small break from the Hebrew study and just kind of go over what are our core values? How do they work? How can we take the five, the six, and kind of start to shrink them down back into these categories? And we came up with this idea of upward, inward, outward, and this mindset of just live it. What would that look like? How does it feel? How do we play a part? What is our part? So this is really just intended to be a reminder. There's not a whole lot of like, deep theological doctrinal stuff we're pulling out. We're just saying, look, as the church, this is our job. This is really what we're supposed to do, so can we get on board and do it together? There's a second part to this, because we've had some new people who have visited and decided to stick around. And let me tell you, I am encouraged by that because it's a sign of life. Then you should be encouraged by that too. We've had people that have come as visitors that have accepted Christ, and they are just rearing and ready to get plugged in. That's a sign of life. That is awesome. So just as a reminder, here's our core values. a lifestyle of worship, learning and applying biblical scripture, Christ-like transformation, loving God's people through healthy relationships, and loving all people through word and action. The last two, loving God's people through healthy relationships— loving all people through word and action. That's going to be the more outward stuff, and that's what the missions team is doing in Kenya. They're showing the love of God to God's people and to people outside of God's family, trying to bring them in. See, that's our goal, is to bring people in. It's not just about us sitting in the pews and getting spiritually fat. That used to drive me nuts. I used to think, I'm here, just sitting here, just sitting here, just sitting here i got to get involved. i got to do something. I always think about that movie WALL-E. Has anybody seen WALL-E? I've said it before. Like The the people, they get so dependent on the machine or the spaceship that they can't even get out of their seats. And they just kind of float around and drink their big gulps and do their thing. And and that's, that's really not what the Christian life is supposed to be. That's really not what we're supposed to be. So I'm going to ask you to to join me in prayer as we uh, get into today's message. But that was just kind of a recap. Again, it's not meant to be instruction deep. It's it's, it's a reminder. This is who we are. Sometimes we just, we need that little reminder. So join me, if you will, uh, as we pray. Father, we thank you for who you are today. And Lord, I just pray that um, you would help me to speak clearly. Uh, It's been an interesting week. It's been an interesting morning. And uh, everybody feels a little maybe pulled in this direction, that direction. But Lord, I just pray that you would take our hearts and our minds, that you would calm them. Lord, that you would open our ears. Lord, you would open our hearts, our eyes to see. Lord, that we would understand as we move towards communion, remembering what you've done for us, how it impacts our life, how it all ties in together, and really how we can't have one without the other. So Father, help us this morning. Speak through me. Lord, I just ask these things in your name. Amen. So those core values, that is really what we want to build into the fiber, the fabric of who we are as a church. But the important thing to understand is until we figure out how to build that into the fiber, into who we are as individuals, it's not going to translate into the church side. Because the church is made up of individuals, right? So that's all of who we are. And we we talked about it last week. We talked about... um, the, the old to new, conforming to transforming. We talked about the excuse me the demonic that was healed, and he wanted to stay at the feet of Jesus. He wanted to continue to learn. He wanted to continue to grow. He wanted to be a disciple. And Jesus said, "You got to go back. Tell everybody what I did for you, and just do it." And that's what he did. He just went and he did it. And that's that whole mindset of our upward approach, this transition, this transformation of old to new. And since I'm new, I have a new way of life. I have a new way of thinking. I have a new way of really just kind of doing business. And that kind of transforms who we are and what we become. So this morning, we talk about inward. What is it? What is inward? Inward is the normal result of what takes place after the upward stuff is sorted out. It's a mouthful. I get it. I understand. But here's the point of it. It's normal. It's a normal part of the process of becoming more like Christ. Isn't that what our core values say? Christ-like transformation, understanding, learning, biblical scripture. It's the normal result of what happens when we enter into a relationship with God. We go from old to new. We start to transform our mind. That starts to transform our actions. It starts to transform our heart. And now we're on this path of growth, this path of discipleship, which is important to understand. Because like I said, what makes it messy is because the church is made up of individuals. It's important for all of us to be moving in the same direction. Are we all moving at the same pace? No. Is that okay? Probably. As long as we're moving, if you remember pastor a couple I think it was last uh, when we did the um, Ten Commandments, there was the flow chart he put up, and there was the ups and downs. And there was always an up. Sometimes there was a down, but it never got down to that part before it just there was a continual, gradual climb. I'm not an at- well I-, I used to be a very athletic person, not so much these days. And I've been working out, and I feel great about it, and my body's responding well, and I'm feeling stronger. But let me tell you, it's only been like a week, a week and a half. I'm not ready to run a marathon. I'm not ready to run a 5K. My daughter thinks I am. She ran a 5K. She did it in like 35 minutes or something. And I was really impressed. Taryn, that's really good. She's going to be 10. That's amazing. I'm not doing that. If I tried, if I tried to keep pace with her, I would get maybe 10 minutes into it and be like, okay, I'm done. I just, we're going to stop here. Go on ahead, follow the trail. Daddy will find you at the finish line. You'll be okay. It's not meant to be a sprint. All of this stuff takes time. Figuring out our upward approach, figuring out, we talked about how, a positional authority and recognizing and understanding who God is and the role He plays in my life and why it's important that I submit to His Lordship. That's a big deal. There's not too many people that are willing to say, I'm going to submit to an authority who's going to completely, totally change my life. All these things that I love to do, that make me feel great, that make me happy, now I'm going to change it? Now i got to kind of get out of my comfort zone. Now i got to change the person that I am. I mean, we're talking about changing our identities, changing our character, changing the person that everybody knows who we are and how we are. Well, I've always been this way. Well, that's not where God wants you to stay. It's a continual transformation. The N-word has two focuses on it. One, the individual, and the church body as a unit. We're not alone in this. First, because of the upward, because of the relationship that we have with God, we have the power of the Spirit. That's what pushes us through this transforming, that's what pushes us into this Christ like discipleship lifestyle, hopefully. And then we have each other. We have the church. I got to be honest, I think sometimes when we read that word church, we look at it and we think it's just a building. God, it's not a building. It's nice that we have a building to come and do church, if you will, where we can meet and we can worship and we can be taught and we can experience ministry together. But listen, if your mindset is the church is the building at 1790 Route 211, something's not clicking right. Because we're the church. We're the body of the church. We make the church up. The individual the church body. And these are the goals. We had the lifestyle of worship that was our upward. You could add to that a relationship with God, an appropriate relationship with God, because there's a lot of people that know God, that know who He is, that kind of have a relationship. Maybe they're not sure. Maybe it's this way. Maybe it's that way. There might be people in here. You know, we've, we've said it. Everybody thinks, I'm here. I'm saved. I don't know. <sighs> That's a personal thing. The inward goals are learning and applying biblical scripture, and that results in Christ like transformation. The inward, how it impacts me, and then how it impacts my church body. Colossians chapter 2, verses 6 and 7 says, Therefore, as you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. Kind of sounds like just do it. You've received Christ, walk in Him. Having been firmly rooted and now being built up in Him and established in your faith, just as you were instructed and overflowing with gratitude. As you have received Christ, walk in Him. This is very similar to John chapter 15, which you don't have to turn there, but that's I'm the vine, you're the branches, dwell in me. We, we understand that. Most of us probably remember the Sunday school song, he is the vine and we are the branches. banner over me is love. Right now, am I the only one? Okay. Shout out to five-day clubs. But that's inward. It's being connected to something. My spirit, my person, the little s, because that's, you know, we talk about who we are, mind, body. We're connected to Christ. We're connected to that vine. Staying rooted on an individual level requires routine participation in the quote-unquote Christian things. It does. We've been talking about it with our youth group. We've been talking about how worship is a lifestyle. It's not just singing songs and raising hands. We uh, had an opportunity to go to the Hillsong concert On Tuesday, it was really fun. And I will tell you, I didn't know what to expect going into it. I really liked their music. Uh, Some of it is very uplifting. Some of it, maybe it's a little light. But for the most part, everything that they shared, every song pointed to Christ, pointed to who He was. Every time they took a break, it was, listen, God loves you, and he's got something better for you. We've been talking through Hebrews, bigger and better things. God loves you. God is all-powerful. God is in control. God wants your life. And I'm thinking, I'm like, man, I did not expect to get preached at. I really expected it was just going to be a concert. We were going to sing. And we did that. But through the testimonies and the different uh, members of the band sharing uh, their stories and, and, and kind of challenging us, I walked out and I said to Ashley, was like, I really... Didn't know what to expect, but I didn't expect that. And I was pleasantly surprised because it was challenging. One of the things that really stuck out was when he looked at the crowd and he said, Listen, I can't give you a better picture of what the church looks like than what we're doing right here at Madison Square Garden in the middle of New York City. People from all ethnic backgrounds, people from all different lifestyles, all fit in together trying to figure out how to do this thing of worship. And we're singing, and we're, we're being encouraged and challenged with Scripture. And I'm looking around, and it was me, and then there was a Spanish couple, and then there was a, I don't know, I think they were maybe French, and then there was someone in front of me from Germany. And I'm thinking, this has got to be what heaven feels like. Having all these different people, all these different backgrounds, all these different nationalities, just standing and praising and being a part of something it was really powerful. But it's more than just showing up and singing songs. You've learned Christ. Walk in him. You've received Christ. Walk in him. Be rooted in him. Healthy prayer life. We did the read through the Bible in two years. Did we really, though? I got about halfway through and I was like, I've already read this. How many of you had that same mindset? Let be honest. You got to something that you read and you're like, I've read the book of Philippians probably 150 times. Do I really need to read it again? And I just kind of skipped over it. And I don't know if Dr. Ashley feels this way. I know I felt this way when I taught. All the prep time that I would put in to teach the students and the lessons, I would count it as, I spent time with God today. I prepared lessons for five classes. Of course I spent time with God. No, I didn't it's a personal thing it's where does it fall on the priority do i have a spirit of prayer one of the questions someone asked was praying without ceasing does that mean i'm just supposed to pray all the time and not stop well that would be a little hard to do because when you go to sleep obviously you're not praying so what's he talking about having this routine this pattern this this it's a part of who you are When I'm going in prayer for something I need, I'm going in prayer for Thanksgiving, whatever happens in my life, my initial response is to go to God and give Him thanks, ask for forgiveness, look for support and deliverance. That's an attitude of prayer. That's a healthy prayer life. We talk about reading and learning and growing and maturing. And there are a number of things throughout Scripture that all point to what that looks like and how it plays out. Not just between me and my wife, or me and Mike, or me and this, but for all of us included and combined. The church is not an organization. It's not. It's an organism, it's a body, it's living, it's breathing. And it has to continue to be fed, it has to continue to grow, it has to continue to mature both in Romans 12 and in 1 Corinthians 12, Paul lays out a laundry list of the special talents and giftings that all of us have. Some teach, some give prophecy, some do this, some are givers. Yes, spiritual giving is an amazing thought. I don't, man, I don't know what that feels like because that's not in my gifting. you are like, well, we're all supposed to give. Yes, we are. But I'm talking about that person who's like, did someone say they have a need? Hold on, here's a check. Like, someone's like, you got five bucks for gas? I'm like, well, no, I'm not that mean. But you understand what I'm saying. These are spiritual giftings that are all required of us. Whether it's encouraging or uh, just someone behind the scenes who's kind of serving and, and not looking for credit. These are the individuals that make up the body. And um, I was thinking about that this week too, because, like I said, my my kids are sick. And um, Taryn sounds, she doesn't sound bad. I didn't know that your saliva glands could swell. That's a thing. So she's got big, puffy cheeks. And she's kind of nasally. And she's kind of like, I'm trying to talk. My and I'm like, what, Tara, what do you, what's the matter? What you got, like, don't talk with your mouth full. She's like, Dad, my don't have anything in my mouth. It's just how I feel. I didn't know that was a thing. I mean, I know your mouth produces saliva, and I get that. But I didn't know that could swell up and cause you to not talk right. I didn't understand. But listen, it's the same thing with our church body. For our body to be healthy, individuals need to be healthy. For our body to be mature, individuals need to be mature. For our body to handle things the right way, individuals need to handle things the right way. This is why it's an inward focus. Colossians chapter 3, with some more text. It says, So as those who have been chosen of God, holy and beloved, put on a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, bearing with one another, forgiving each other, whoever has a complaint against anyone, just as the Lord forgave you, So also should you, beyond all these things put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity. These are, can you go back for just one second? These are the measuring sticks. These are the things that we can look at, and when we go from generalizations to specifics, I'm realizing that it's a very hard concept for my kids to understand, and it's a very hard concept for our teenagers to understand, and I'm kind of guessing that sometimes it's a really hard concept for us to understand. How do I move From general to specific. And I'm trying to explain it to Avery. Avery, you've got to be kinder to your sister. How are we going to do this? I could show her love. Okay, that's a start, but that's general. What specifically can you do? I can be kind to her. Okay, that's kind of the same. Specifically, honey. I don't know what specifically means. So now I'm like, how am I going to explain this to a six-year-old? And I said, I'll tell you what, here's what I want you to do. I want you to think of all of the things, all of the things, all the things that you could do to Taryn to show kindness. And she started going, I could help her clean the room. I could show her my dolls. I could read with her. I could help her with this. And I said, okay, stop. Pick one. Be specific about that one thing. Here's a bunch of general things that we can do. Put on this. Be compassionate. Be kind. Show humility. Gentleness. Patience. Pick one and go, okay, you know what? I'm a pretty loving person. That's fair to say. Be real with yourself. Look at the lists and go, you know what? I'm, I'm gentle. I'm patient. But maybe I have a hard time forgiving people. I, I'm humble. I have a heart of compassion. But maybe we can stop and we can look at it and go, where do I rank on these lists? How is this manifesting itself in my life? What? Specific examples can I give to someone? If I were to say, Jay Luna, can you tell me why you're a humble person? Don't answer that. I'm just using you as an example. Jay could go, You know what? I don't like to talk about myself and I hate to brag. That's a good start, right? I would think. But, like, what would we say? Vince, can you give me examples as to how you're a patient person? Uh, I could tell you, I told you last week, my kids spilled coffee on the couch and I lost my mind. There was no patience. There was no compassion. It was just like, we just got the couch. And my inner self is going, she's a one-year-old. She doesn't know. But in my head, I'm like, yeah, she does. She's, she's got a sin nature just like everybody else. She knows what she's doing. Little brat. No. But you understand, like we got to stop and think, like how are these things manifesting in my life? Go ahead, Ryan, to the next verse. It says, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Here, I'm going to pause for a quick second, because without the first part, that first part that we read, we can't do some of this stuff. Because those first couple of things are building blocks to maturity when you can start doing some of these things. To which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the world of Christ, yeah, let Let the word of Christ richly dwell within you with all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Look, if you don't have kindness and compassion and love and patience and gentleness, when it comes to teaching and admonishing, you're not going to do it. Let me rephrase that. You're going to do it. (laughs) It's going to be ineffective because maybe the motives aren't there. If I'm not a loving person, how can I come to someone in love and say, Derek, listen, I noticed some things and I was just wondering if I could ask you about this. That's admonishing. Hey, you know, I noticed, you know, we said we were going to do this and we all agreed to do this thing. And, you know, we haven't been doing what we're supposed to do And I'm guilty of this. Like I've said to Ryan, listen, man, I'm really sorry. I need to be more deliberate, more purposeful, and more diligent in making sure you have information well in advance. And when I don't do that, Ryan goes, hey, man, do you remember when you said you were going to do that? And I'm going to share something with Jay shared with me the other night, and we were talking at worship practice, and we had a discussion back and forth, and it was completely and totally out of love, and it encouraged me, and it was admonishing, and it was teaching all at the same time, and it felt good. I didn't leave angry. I didn't leave going, that guy's an idiot, man. I can't believe he, who does he think he is? I got in my car, and I looked at my wife, and I said, man, he's right. It gave me some stuff to think about. And it's not even a crazy thing. It's not like it was like open wild sin. It was just I started playing a song. I was going through what I thought was the intro and I just kept playing and singing. And he was like, where are we? What are we doing? And I was just going, man, I was in it. I was not being cognizant of his time of my wife 's time of the other people participating in worship practice time i wasn 't communicating clearly, and it wasn 't because he was angry. He was just like, "Hey man, you, this is something you want to work on he 's not wrong because part of being able to handle that means I have to be mature enough to understand his heart 's where it 's supposed to be he 's not coming at me with the wrong motives he 's not trying to like beat me over the head. He's not trying to call me out. He's calling me up. And that is the one thing, when I work with teenagers and talk with kids, I I don't want to call anybody out. I don't want to embarrass them. But I want to look at them and say, listen, I know you're better than this. I know you are. And I know you can rise up to this. And you can handle this. And I know you have the power to do so. You just have to want to do it. See, all of us have the ability to do these things. There's nowhere in here, or later on, in Titus, when he talks about admonishing Paul is teaching Titus how to do it, he doesn't say, the only person who's allowed to do this is the pastor. He doesn't say it here. He's talking to the whole body, the whole church. All of you need to be able to get to the point where you can look at someone and say, can, can I just push back on this? I've noticed something. Something's different. And, you know, we've, we've talked about it in our staff meetings and the elders have talked about it. And uh, is it Ortberg? I'd never say his name right. But he's got that whole series on how this plays out in a healthy relationship within the church. Because we're going to continually be interacting with each other. It happens. And it says, whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. Healthy individuals are able to do these things. Not only that, but able to do them with the right focus and the right motives. And that's what this is talking about. It's not because I want to build myself up. It's not because I want to tear someone down. It's not because I want to walk out and get in my car and be like, Yeah, I sure told Vince today. <laughs> like, that's not right. I've been guilty of that. I've had conversations, and I love my wife. She's awesome, and she is like a spirit checker. Because she'll say things like, that doesn't sound very Christian-like, Pastor Tim. (laughs) Yeah, but you know what? She's not wrong. We're all working on it. We're all trying to do it. So why is it important? What it is, why it's important, these are elements, it's important because the church is made up of individuals. The church doesn't have a reputation. It it wouldn't be not this church specifically. I'm saying all churches as like a general don't I'm not picking anybody out. Nobody leaves the church going, man, that guy, that guy, that woman, that person, it never comes back. It's usually that church is all hypocrites. That church is all this. That church is all that. That church doesn't do this. that. That church—it's—it's—it's it's, it's all of us. One person steps in it, we all kind of take the fall for it. Am I right or wrong? I mean, we think about like these vocal groups that are the uh, minority, if you will, of. Of Baptist circles or Christian circles that are out and they're aggressive and they're abrasive and they're disgusting and vulgar, and people go, That's what Christianity is. No, it's not. And part of me wants to like drive down and be like, What are you guys doing? You're knuckleheads. You're ruining it for everybody. They probably wouldn't care. Maybe they would. I don't know. But that's not who we are. But they're vocal. And it's easy to go, yep, that's them. It's everybody. All Christians. It's not all of us. In those verses, there's a lot of one another things love one another, forgive one another, show compassion. Do you know what that also builds? It builds accountability. There's accountability in those verses, there's maturity in those verses. And I had mentioned it last week. I was talking with an elder, and we were talking about how do we get to that point? What's maturity look like? Do we have the ability to have people in our congregation where they can make mistakes freely and not feel like they're going to get destroyed? Because I will tell you, there are churches that will destroy you very quickly over a mistake over something you don't know, something that you did something they don't agree with, it's a sin, whatever it is, whether you stepped in a little small thing or it was a big open like explosion of sin, whatever it is, and they go, you're gone, you're done, we want not have anything else to do with you. Are we mature enough to look at someone and restore them and teach them and admonish them and to lift them up and to say, look, you're still welcome here. We still want you to be a part of this. Look, our ideas don't measure up. They don't, they, don't, they don't match up. We're different people. I totally get it. We're made differently. We have different feelings, thoughts, convictions. Whatever it is that makes us different, makes us different. But we can still coexist. It's still what we can do. The N-word is important because it leads to healthy community. Not just within here, but outside of here as well. And that's going to be the outward stuff. we talk about that later on. Part of building inward is being here, not just here, but be here. I compare it to um, when my wife's talking to me and I'm I I'm, I'm I hear her, but maybe I wasn't listening. Right, guys? No, nobody knows. I'm the only one that that's experienced this. She's like, Are you are you listening to me? I heard you. I didn't ask if you heard me. Are you listening? There's an active involvement of what she is saying is coming into here. And it's not. It's in here. And then it's coming into here. And hopefully it's playing out in action. Don't just be here. You can't just sit here. You have to do something. You have to be involved. Establish relationships. Help each other in need. Let other people help you. Be a part of something bigger. Use your giftings and talents. That's what we've been called to do. I love having Derek on staff. Derek is awesome. And if for no other reason, there's a ton of them, but if for no other reason, he keeps our staff meetings from going six hours to like two. Because if you watch two people with ADD that start talking, oh my gosh, forget it. And you know what? He said, uh, guys, I think we're getting off task. He's right. I don't have that. I don't. Because I'm just like, well, it's rabbit trails. And hey, remember that one time we did that one thing with that one person at that one place? Wasn't that awesome? Like, it happens. But there's others. You know, Dr. Ashley, I'm excited about the potential of him being a part of what's going on. I think about the skills and the talents and what he brings to the table. But you have to ask him. I don't want to. But I'm telling you, there's some awesome things that are bubbling just below the surface that are waiting to break out. If only we could figure out upward, inward, outward, how do I play my part? What do I do? How do I get from A to B to C? And then how do I just do it? John 13, 34 and 35 says, A new commandment I give to you that you love one another, even as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this, all men will know... That you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. This is important, because this is how we're known. Not just, and I want to bypass, are we a loving church? That's in there, I get it. This is how people know if we're a disciple. If we're all disciples on an individual level, what does that say about our church on the big level? It's a place I want to be. It's a place that's going to lead people to Christ. It's a place that's going to change lives. It's a place that's going to make a difference. And that's what we can be a part of. So I've been kind of figuring out how to kind of put this all together. And I have, uh, I've asked uh, Mike and, and Jason Cooley to come help me out with something real quick. So they're going to come up. But we try to talk about generals and specifics. The general application, how is this specific to me? If you could just make sure he can plug into the orange one or whatever, I guess that would be great. How is it specific to me? And that's what we kind of have to get across. And I've asked them to come and kind of participate in something, and then I'm going to read a little bit more, and then we're going to move into communion. But... This, to me, what we're going to do here is, is going to be a, an object lesson on general and specific and how it plays out and what it looks like. Because we're talking about individuals, we're talking about unity, we're talking about being together as a group, and in just a second, it's going to go off without a hitch, I hope. I have not really told them about what they're doing. I just said, can you bring your guitar and take it out of tune, and then we're going to go from there. Because uh, part of this whole inward-outward thing, as we look at it and we talk about it, is understanding about how it fits together. Why is it important for an individual to be, you know, handling all these things? Don't, yeah, detune Detune it, man. I want it to be nasty. Sure, yeah. Perfect, that's beautiful. Now, do me a favor. If uh, one of you could just simply play like a CGD... Uh, arrangement and then one kind of pick through it with like this like, a formation yeah. that's beautiful and It sounds wonderful right yeah it sounds like an indie band rock rock thing that we got going on ok alright time out so here's what I want you to do <laughs> yeah, yeah it's awesome so here's what I want you to do I want uh, you Mr. Cooley since you have a tuner I'd like you to tune to your tuner And Mike, I'd like you to try to tune by ear without listening to what he's doing. Just try to figure out how best you can do it. Yeah. So the point of this is this is going to tie the upward and the inward together a little bit. And I hope it comes across because this is what I can figure out. Everybody has this idea of what upward means. And everybody has this idea of what God wants from us. Unfortunately, it doesn't always measure up with what the Bible says and it doesn't always measure up really with what God has for us. So when we talk about what our ideals are, what God's ideals are, they're sometimes two different things. So thankfully, we can use that in this because Mr. Cooley has a tuner and we could use that as that is the authority to what we're doing today. That's the authority. He knows he's in tune because he, he has a tuner. And hopefully Mike is not a really good musician and he's really good at picking out his notes because then it would re- it really backfire. So I'm going I'm to assume you guys ready. You've, you've tuned, hopefully. You're tuned to the tuner. What's that sound like? Just this a G. <laughs> sure. You've tuned to your ideal. Go for it. Can you play it together? It's kind of close. It's pretty good. But it's still off just a little bit. It still is. I don't know if everybody can hear it. It's, it would have been better for the lesson if I wasn't good. It would have been better if you were not good at it. Yeah, for sure. I picked the wrong guy. Should have picked the tone deaf guy. I should have done it. The uh, but regardless, even even with Mike being where he is and all the skill and everything that Mike brings to being able to play the guitar, his ideal is still not perfect. And it's not perfect until he applies it and tests it to the measuring stick, which is the tuner. Now, if you guys could get in tune together, that would be really great. And then I have one more uh, thing to, to, sh- to kind of push this home a little bit. I'm going to give you this one. If you could kindly, when I, you can play it over there, I guess, so you can't And then I'll give you this one. I printed you some music. They have music to play a song for us. Mm-hmm. And and here's kind of the point. Because now we have this upward. They've interacted with the tuner. The tuner has put them on the right path. They've transformed whatever. Now we're going to say they're able... Can you play just a couple chords together? Just not off the sheet. Just... Yeah, sounds, sounds much better, right? Sounds pretty perfect. So they're in tune with each other. Now, if you guys could kindly play the song that I picked out for you. Together. Don't look at it. No, you you have your own music. I gave you music. No, I did. Don't ruin it, Mike.
1: Yeah, Yeah, it's pretty
0: awesome. You guys hear the difference? So they have the same song. They have tuned to the same stick they're in tune with each other but something's not can you guys fix that yeah Yeah. Yeah, by all means yeah let's try it again Really, it's not a big deal. Yeah, you can give me a hand. It's, yeah, and if you want to hang out up there, because we're going to start communion in just a minute. Here's the thing, right? So Mike had uh, the same song that, Mr., that Jason had. Jason had it in the key of G. Mike had it in the key of A. W- was either of them wrong? No. What made it wrong? They they weren't together on it. My ideas. And your ideas, they might not be wrong. Do you get what I'm saying? The difference is Mike going, you know what, I'm just going to take a couple steps over here and I'm going to play off of his music and we're going to choose to be united. Whether Mike has decided that because Mike is being indifferent or Mike is just saying, you know what, let's just do this. But there is a unity of spirit and there's a unity of decision and the result is much better than him going, oh, I'm going to continue to play what I want to play, and I'm going to continue to do what I'm going to do. They're both in tune to the same thing. They both have the same standard. They're not in conflict with each other. The chords all sound the same. They have the same song, but they're still not on the same page. Our ideas don't have to be wrong. Sometimes they're just different. And the whole point of it is, when we look at our inward self and where we want to go as a church, and how do we achieve this mindset of, Living it out, just doing it. Here's some snippets of uh, the book I was reading this week from Mere Christianity. This is what C.S. Lewis says about this type of thing. He says, there are two ways in which the human machine goes wrong. One is when individuals drift apart from one another or else collide with one another and do one another damage. Two ways, we separate ourselves or we just punch each other in the head. That's what he's saying. And it continues and it says, the other is when things go wrong inside the individual, when the different parts of him either drift apart or interfere with one another. It's the same parallel with the guitars. He's using ships and we're going to see the second part of this in a minute. But this is why it's important. Because if I'm in tune with the Spirit, and if I'm walking in the Spirit, and if I'm learning, and if I'm taking biblical Scripture and applying it correctly, and I'm transforming, and I'm trying to be more Christ-like, I'm not drifting away. And yeah, there's still going to be things that are battling inside that are trying to pull me this way and pull me that way, but I have an understanding of where I'm supposed to be as an individual. And when I'm individually on the right track... Then I just have to look. Is my ship banging into somebody else's? Or am I just going, you know what? You want to do that? It's fine. I'm going to stand over here. Do your thing. We do, I do that. That's called the uh, I'm going to take my ball and go home method. That's not in the Bible either. Uh, this is what Altu says, too. This is one of my favorite parts. Think of us as a fleet of ships sailing in formation. The voyage will be a success only in the first place if the ships do not collide with another and get in one another's way. And secondly, if each ship is seaworthy. This is my best, this is my favorite part right here. Go to the next one, please. If the ships keep on having collisions, they will not remain seaworthy very long. On the other hand, if their steering gears are out of order, they will not be able to avoid collisions. If our church can't stop banging into each other, guess what? We're not going to be seaworthy very long. If we can't as individuals figure out how do I shift my, my gears? How do I steer my life the right way? We're not going to be able to avoid collisions. If we can't get to that maturity where we can encourage each other and teach each other and admonish each other and to continue to lift each other up, we're going to be a bunch of boats sitting out in the water sinking. And this is how he wraps it up, which I think is cool. What is the good of telling the ships how to steer as to avoid collisions if, in fact, they are such crazy old tubs that cannot be steered at all? What is the good of drawing up on paper rules for social behavior if we know that, in fact, our greed, cowardice, ill temper, and self conceit are going to prevent us from keeping them? This is all inward. This is all the result of how do I take this relationship with God from old to new to be transformed, to take it as an individual, to move into a community of believers, to move forward as a church. This morning we get the chance to shift our focus to communion. And I thought this would actually be kind of an appropriate time to spend a little time thinking, what's my inward approach and what's my inward impact? what is my individual approach to the church and what is my individual impact? My dad used to say, if everybody in the church was like you, how healthy would the church be? For some of us, it would probably be pretty good. Maybe. Maybe it would be a church that doesn't give. Maybe it would be a church that doesn't show mercy. Maybe it would be a church that doesn't show grace. Maybe it would be a church that's stuck. Maybe it's a church that's loving and welcoming and acceptable to everybody. Come on in. But is it healthy? Can we be healthy? I'm going to ask the uh, ushers to come forward, those who are handing out communion. In a minute, I'm going to invite you to come up. We'll we'll take the elements. You can go back and and have a seat. We're a little short on uh, some servers this morning. But I think we all understand And this gives us an opportunity to kind of pause and to reflect not just what Christ has done for us, not just the sacrifice that he paid on the cross, not just the the breaking of his body and the shed blood, but how it impacts me going forward into the future. And I've said it, and I still believe it, and I think as the more I work with kids, the more I see it, and the more I work with adults, I start to see it too. We're 100% on board with the salvation thing. Lord and Savior, I want the Savior part. But when it comes to the Lord part, I think that's where we kind of muddy the waters a little bit. So how can we grow? How can we shift to this inward focus? How can we continue to push? It's just a reminder. These are our core values. This is who we are. This is what we want to be. Are we those people? So come on up, uh, ushers, if you will. Servers, yes. Sorry, servers. Thank you, Derek. See, that's I told you. Mike's going to play for us. It looks like everybody's coming up. That's pretty awesome. Hey, do you think? Just take some time. It doesn't have to be somber and sad. This is a time of remembrance. This is a time to celebrate and honor, and just to participate in what God has done for us. And for some of us, maybe it's a time where we just got to spend some time in reflective prayer. Uh, as a kid growing up, we used to sit in the back and we used to watch because uh, the pastor at the time would always say, "If you have something between another person here, don't come up and take communion until you go out back and you sort it out." And we would sit in the back like, hey, "Who's gonna fight?" Look, I'm not asking you to walk across the aisle and say, hey, Connor, listen, we got to talk. Have that heart. Have that mindset. Understand that we are called to live in unity. We are called to have this upward, inward, outward. It's all here. We can do it. We just have to be willing. We have to be willing as individuals and as a group. Steve, do you have a question, man? Everybody else And me, I look towards God as like the one that I have to answer to. And like other people in society, like they're on the same level as me no matter what position they have in their so called. So how do I go about um not putting man above God Good question. So so everybody hears it. I I'll repeat it. Steve said he's on point with God. I'm responsible to God. Only God can judge me. That type of thing. So when it comes to positional authority, how do I respond to man? Do I put man over God and think that his opinion is more important than God's? The answer to that is yes and no. And here's why. I know everybody's like, it can't be. Here's why. One, if you're doing what God has called you to do, and you're living what God has called you to do, then whatever I think doesn't matter. Now, if you're not and someone is able to come to you, someone that you respect, someone that you love, someone that you trust, someone that has been maybe an accountability partner, a pastor, an elder, a deacon, someone comes to you and says, hey, Steve, can I can I ask you about this? Now, obviously, if it's from love and compassion, you should be able to pick up on that pretty. You'll hear it. It'll be in their tone. It'll be in their body language. They're not going to shout you out and be like, Hey, Steve, what's going on, man? You haven't been to church in six weeks. You going to take communion? Can you guys believe Steve's going to take communion? I would not accept that as an admonishing or a teaching from someone. That would not be good. Now, if if Gene if, if were to come to me and say, you know, Hey, listen, the other day this happened, and this, you know came off this way, just be aware of that. I want to take that to heart. Because maybe he did see something that I'm not sure about. And the other part of that is, maybe he's wrong. Maybe he's right. I just don't know. So there's no harm in saying, you know what, Gene? Thank you for bringing that to my attention. I'm not sure I, I agree with you, but I'm going to pray about it. And I'm really going to seek and see if this truly is something that God's trying to show me. Am I putting Gene's opinion above God's? No, because Gene's on the same track. If God's calling me to this standard and Gene is trying to call me up to that standard too, they're, they're on par. It's okay. Now, if it's a matter of you're an idiot, what are you thinking? Then maybe the message got lost in the delivery. And naturally I'm going to go, you don't know what you're talking about. So when it comes to the, the positional authority, we can, we can respond to that. Because God has put authority in our life. Whether it's the government, your job, a teacher, my wife, it's authority, man. So, does that, I, I don't know if that helps. So, but anyway, long and short of it, today it's an opportunity to reflect and to remember and to just think. It's not just about what Christ has done for us. It's what He's called us into and how we can handle that and live in it and move forward. So if you guys want to grab the elements and I'm going to ask when you're ready to come up, just come on up move down the aisles or the sides if you want to take a little bit more time and pray take a little bit more time and pray. If, if you really feel like I can't take communion without talking, okay do that. If it's a matter of I just need to do, biz, do business when you're ready, come on up and take uh, the, the bread and the cup and then go back to your seat and once everybody's had a chance we'll we'll take it together all right
1: Thank
0: you. we'll keep it all together Sorry. yeah just take the elements and we'll we'll take them both together when when everybody's had them. When everybody gets them, don't
1: need them yet. What can wash away my sin? They can't force it. Nothing but the blood of
0: Jesus. Paul writes in his letter to the Corinthian church, For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, the night in which he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. I'm just going to ask if we just eat together and then we'll pray and then we'll take the cup and then we'll close in prayer. Father, it's amazing what you've done for us. Not just so that um, we could have salvation. That's an awesome byproduct. But the power to live, uh, you came to give life abundant. And uh, that's what we can do. So, Father, help us to live in that promise. Help us to uh, trust and to continue to grow. So, Father, we ask these things in your name and give thanks. Amen. It also says that they also took the cup and they said, This is my blood shed for you, a new covenant. And do this in remembrance. So, may I ask everybody stand? And I, I'm going to do my best to say it right. To the king and his kingdom. And to his kingdom. There's a king. Jean, would you close us in prayer?